Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. And I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. What I never told him was that after mom died, Frank tried parenting me on his own and failed miserably. One scorching August afternoon, I came home from school to find a note on the kitchen table. Stella will pick you up tomorrow morning. I promise I'll send for you, love dad. I knew where he'd gone. Lately, that was all he'd talked about, moving out west and starting a new life in Arizona on his friend Devin's ranch. In between the deep sobs shaking my pillow that night, I tried to listen to the voice in my head saying he was thinking of me when he made his decision to go it alone that it would have been selfish to pull me out of school just a year short of graduating junior high and drag me into the unknown, that he'd never desert me. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Joyce Yarrow, this time about her newest book, Sandstorm. It's about a girl who learns how to forge jewelry, steal whatever she wants, and con whoever she can. Sandy discards her identities like the thrift shop clothing that transform her into whoever she needs to be to pull off the latest con. Then she's on the run back in Manhattan, where she meets and falls for an unhappily married film producer, but inadvertently sets him up for a robbery. Her conscience prevails, and along the way to becoming a woman, a legitimate actor, and a makeup artist, Sandy meets out a little justice. Hi, Joyce. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Galit. It's great to be here. See you again. Yeah, this is the second time. Last time I talked to you about Zahara. This time I'm talking to you about Sandstorm. So be honest. Is it based on your own early life? And if not, where did Sandy Donovan spring from? Oh, well, you know, you might be surprised by the answer because she was a real person and possibly is, although we've lost touch. So when I was in elementary school, there was a bully in school named Sandy who followed me home and terrorized me and really wanted to fight. And so uh, she finally got her way and all the kids you know, surrounded us and we had our altercation. And then after that, we became friends. 
So that was one of the inspirations for the book. I just started thinking, I wonder what happened to Sandy. And the other thing is that um, my first boyfriend was quite a shoplifter. And he justified it because he only stole from bookstores. But um, I think I let that go at the time. But now I look back and I go, wow, that was not a good influence on me. So a lot of these things combine to make the what if scenario uh, for Sandstorm. You know, what if a girl was raised without any kind of moral compass uh, and had to find her own way in life, you know, and figure out which side of the line uh, she wanted to live on. Hmm. When you started writing Sandstorm, did you know that it would become uh, would be a coming of age story with a twist? Not really. I, there were a lot of things that surprised me in this book, although it took eight years for me to finally get it to the point um, where it was accepted by an agent, you know, and started making the rounds. And um, it, it really the biggest challenge was finding a way to make Sandy likable at the same time without watering down her true nature. You know, so because it's important that readers want to follow a character, you know, through the whole story. But I also wanted her to be real. Mm hmm. Well, OK, so can you say something about Frank and why he's such a terrible father? Well, Frank's own background, actually, it does re resemble my own dad's to some extent in that my father was grew up in an orphanage and was a bit of an outsider. And so, you know, a lot of times we take real people and we exaggerate a bit. And so I exaggerated quite a bit in his case, but his irresponsibility was based in reality. And I think that's true, you know, um, for many kids who end up getting in trouble that they have a lack of role models. And so I took him and really developed him into sort of the ultimate bad role model who actually um, believes that success is a crime. Mm -hmm. If you, uh, you know, if you give in to society's values, it makes you less of an individual. And Sandy did absorb some of that, and it kind of set her up for things that happened later. What's the source for Sandy's strength, her decisiveness, and, and, and her chameleon-like ability to transform herself? Well, I would say most of her strength came from her mom, who she lost at an early age, but before that um, had quite a vocabulary and really read and was sort of a lifelong learner kind of person. And so Sandy did absorb this ability to pick things up, to learn really quickly. But it's just that the things that she learned uh, in her early years that she chose to learn about uh, ended up being really harmful to her. Uh, and gradually, though, she starts to realize that these skills that she acquires, you know, as a criminal, that they can cut both ways, that they can also be used, you know, in the more traditional way. Uh, for instance, disguising yourself, learning all these makeup techniques, uh, is something that can also happen in the beauty salon or in the theater, you know, in the green room. And so she uh, gradually works her way, you know, from one side of the line to the other, using the skills that she picks up originally uh, as a criminal. What was her problem with her aunt? Her aunt Stella? Well, her aunt, well I would say that her aunt really disliked her brother, you know, who was Sandy's father and felt uh, very resentful of having to take Sandy. And she was basically dumped on her uh, when Frank moves out West. And so that was part of it. And also just a lack of understanding um, that a teenager might have their own mind, uh, their own way of dressing. Uh, she wanted to control her. Uh, and I think that's, she just 
stepped in supposedly to act as her mother, but was much more um, her disciplinarian, you know, to the point uh, where Sandy puts some hot pepper in her lipstick, in Stella's lipstick, uh, and ends up leaving the next day after having worked for her in the bridal uh, store and uh, been exploited. And she just has enough. And so the book begins, you know, with her journey uh, to try to reunite with Frank, with her father, who is way out uh, in Arizona. And she's got this romantic idea that there'll be jackalopes and horses and that somehow her father will have changed uh, into the kind of person who could actually be with her and take care of her. That was so, so sad. And so uh, she yearns for, for her father who couldn't care less. She, so he dumps her at Recovery Ranch and it's a disturbing place. Why isn't a, a place like that for troubled teens out in the desert more thoroughly supervised by, I don't know, state education officials or something like that. How'd you come up with that place? Well, it's based um, actually on the life story of a friend of mine um, Mm -hmm. who did spend some time in a place like that in California, actually, and told me some stories. And uh, in his case, they were very ineffective in policing the kids. But in uh, in this case, I decided that uh, it it would be better... um, for Sandy to really experience uh, what it was like to be in prison. So in a sense, although she's never really committed any crime at all, uh, she's thrown in prison. And where else do we learn uh, how to be a criminal but in prison? And so the friends that she makes there, who are good friends, uh, also connect her uh, with somebody when she escapes. They connect her with somebody that uh, takes her in and mentors her in the criminal arts yeah, Russell, he is a complex character. What What's his deal? Russell comes from a wealthy family. Uh, his father uh, is a diamond merchant and in his own way is immoral in that he's, you know, he traffics in blood diamonds. And so Russell doesn't have much of a moral center either, but he's very, very talented in what he does and very proud uh, of his abilities to forge jewelry And Sandy, who is extremely bright, picks up these skills from him and they lead a life um, that's fairly idyllic, you know, in Malibu, going to the beach uh, and uh, while he's running this business out of his house. And of course, everything eventually comes crashing down. As such things do. Why is Sandy so attached to Tiff, despite how much trouble she brings? Well, Tiffany, um, I don't want to give away too much, but Tiffany does something um, when they're uh, at Recovery Ranch uh, that enables Sandy, you know, to resume her life and makes a pretty big sacrifice. And so uh, they're really bonded together by their experience there and helping each other survive. There's nothing like survival to bond people together in friendship. And that transcends some of the things that Tiffany later does. But it's a very conflicted relationship, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And is she is she based on someone, Tiffany? Well, you know, when I think about it, um, most of my friendships in New York when I was growing up were really based on survival. Um, you, you get to be very close with people uh, who are usually in trouble, who are usually trying to find their way uh, and feeling lost. And, and you have that bond together of not belonging. And I did experience some of that as a teenager. But again, you know, it's extremely exaggerated in this book. But it was a chance for me to draw on some of my indiscretions, my youthful indiscretions, 
um, although they were not anywhere near uh, extreme, as extreme, you know, as what happens with Sandy. Hmm. I don't want to give away any of Sandy's cons, but how did you come up with all those ways to cheat people out of their money or possessions, Joyce? And um, keep in mind, I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, as I started out as a mystery writer, and so you need to learn a lot about crime and cons, you know, uh, in order uh, to thrive in that way. And also my brother was a private investigator, my brother, Rick, uh, and who I miss desperately, he left us. And he um, went through all my mystery novels, you know, looking for um, mistakes, you know, in terms of the lifestyle of the private investigator and, and the ways that crimes are committed. He was really my reality checker. And so, but he also um, inspired and encouraged me to write about the things uh, that he knew. So he was a wonderful source. And I think every writer who does crime writing has to have some really excellent sources that they can draw on and people that are willing to talk to them, you know. And one of his biggest uh, beefs was that my brother's, one of my brother's biggest beefs was that private investigators on television never get paid, for instance. And I started, you know, always try to make characters earn a living either by stealing or, you know, in a legitimate way. But it's really important to show people's professional lives, that they don't live in a vacuum, that they really have ways that they survive. And that's where the cons come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm always upset on, on television shows, crime shows, where nobody ever sits and just reads a book and has a cup of tea. <laughs> nobody ever does like the stuff I do most of the day. Anyway, um, Sandy does a fair amount of crisscrossing the country via train or bus. Were any of the places she lived meaningful to you personally? Um, well, Arizona, I did live in Tucson um, for a while. And so, you know, the ranch is set outside of Tucson. Um, the making of the wine is something that uh, I knew about. Uh, the saguaro wine that plays a part in the story that I won't give away. But that was something that I knew about um, from living in Tucson and just how it feels to be in the desert. And so I drew on that. Um, I lived in Southern California for a while as well and had friends that lived up in Malibu. So most of the places, except for the Midwest, I've never lived in Kansas City, which is where some of the more extreme scenes uh, in Sandstorm take place. Uh, and so I really kind of pushed myself to set that uh, correctly uh, in Kansas City. And then New York, of course, you know, gave me a great excuse to go home again because that's where I grew up. I live in Seattle now and I took a trip and stayed with my friend who lives in Chelsea. And we went up uh, to Washington Heights, which is uh, where Sandy uh, ends up living in New York. And I took a whole bunch of pictures and we just walked around the neighborhoods there and the Dominican restaurants. And it was really great. She was just a tremendous help uh, in, in uh, helping me research for Sandstorm. Um, Sandy also spends a lot of time in both the art world and the theater world. Uh, tell tell me how what was your research like for that, or was that already something that you were comfortable talking about? Well, I have friends in the art world. I have a friend who made a film actually about art theft, and so she was a great resource. Uh, she lives in New York, and you know there was a gallery there that had um, a big scandal recently uh, to do with stolen art and uh, counterfeits that they were selling that they claimed not to know were counterfeits. We're talking about paintings that are worth millions. And so I realized that the art scene was a really good place uh, for Sandy to learn, you know, just sort of how 
uh, extensive crime can be, um, how much money can actually be involved. You know, that doesn't always have to be small time grifting. So she kind of graduates uh, not, through no fault of her own. I mean, she does this theft because she's trying to make something right for a friend of hers. But nonetheless, she really does graduate into a higher level of crime, you know, when she gets involved with the art world. And what about the theater world and the opera world? I always love to chat about that. I'm a big fan of opera and I love finding out what made you choose the operas you chose. Well, um, they were really chosen for the makeup because they're just... Um, that uh, I think it was, was it Aida and Rigoletto, all the, um, the makeup has to be really extreme in any type of theatrical venue. Um, also, I think the prophet, we staged the prophet uh, in Sandstorm as well. She does the makeup for that. And so it's just a way of really showing how the pretend world becomes real for her and more real than her own disguises. And she just suddenly, it, it's a big revelation for her for instance, that acting requires emotional honesty, uh, that something that she was not familiar with because she really had become a pretty um, competent liar. And here she was being really asked to tell the truth emotionally when she acted in a part by her acting instructor. And it has a big effect on her. I'm a real believer in art, uh, I guess, as, as a healer in some ways. And, and for me, it was too. It brought me into society uh, when I became a musician. And I went to the High School of Music and Art. I met people who didn't fight in the street, you know, who actually cooperated and sang together. And when you blend your voices with someone, uh, it's pretty hard not to feel close to them. So I think that's one of the reasons that the arts uh, in Sandy's life become such a positive influence is because they were uh, that way in my own life, too. Oh, that's a good answer. What part of Sandy's story was most fun for you to write? I think the acting scenes where she's pretending to be someone else and starting to feel that person, starting to feel empathy for the first time. Because that's one of the things that when you experience empathy and have empathy, it's much harder to hurt other people or justify hurting other people. Once you reach a certain level of empathy, you just can't. And so for me, that was fun and challenging at the same time you know, to find experiences for her that would elicit real empathy uh, and motivation to change, which is what you want, you know, in a book is, is that, mm -hmm. that character arc. Yeah. And, and what was most difficult also maybe challenging and difficult at the same time? It was difficult um, to keep putting obstacles on her path and when I wanted her to succeed, you know, so I think in some ways it's hard for the reader too. Um, because you're really rooting for someone, and yet you know that uh, life would not be easy. And so uh, creating these challenges and having her experience that pain, uh, we have to put our babies through a lot of pain, our characters through a lot of pain as a writer um, to draw out their character. It seems to be something about human nature that we learn from error, that we're a trial and error species. I mean, we're learning that really on a big time these days. Uh, and that, that can be painful to write about uh, if you're making it real. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of action going on in, in the book. It takes place over a few years, five or six years, something like that. And yeah. um, I couldn't help but think while I was reading it that um, it probably translate really well into 
a show of some kind. Are there any plans to turn this book, Sandstorm, into a movie or a TV series? And if so, who would you love to play the role of Sandy Donovan? Well, I thought of Miley Cyrus because there's a, a certain toughness Ooh. about her, but she also mm-hmm. uh, has a big heart. You know, that's my impression of her. And I could see her playing Sandy quite well some, mm-hmm. or someone like her. And I am working on a screenplay. I've written, so far I've written the pilots, you know, the first 45 minutes. And uh, that's been a big learning experience. Um, I have somebody advising me who is a professional screenwriter and um I'm really learning a lot. You know, it's so different than writing a book. Although this book has a lot of action in it, so it does lend itself towards scenes. But it's quite interesting. Sometimes I find that I'm writing longer passages uh, in the screenplay than are in the book, you know, really bringing alive some of the scenes. Um, even her first trip on the train, you know, going across the country. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's sort of a way of uh, sticking around with this character, not letting her go. But it's also very literary in that we get inside of her head a lot. I don't know how how that um, is how you can portray that in a show. The emotion, yeah. what's going on inside? Yeah, that's where um, you need to really let go of the whole novel writing uh, technique and look for actions and interactions because it's all in relationships. And, you know, on the screen, it's just there's always a conflict going on. And every single scene, people want different things. It doesn't have to be a violent conflict. But, you know, for instance, between her and her aunts in the beginning, uh, where where Sandy really wants some freedom and her aunt is just terrified to give her any, probably because her own brother, you know, has abused his own freedom so much. And so these type of psychological things play out, you know, in the form of action and conflict. And if you stay with that, then you, you can write a pretty good script. Mm, it's I, I'm looking forward to it, whoever plays the title. Um, and is there a part for you to play? <laughs> um, well, maybe they'll let me in and sit in a chair and watch sometime, but I don't think on the, the actual screen. But I, you know, I feel there's part of me that's in every character in this book. So it would be really thrilling you know, to see it on the screen. Maybe they'll they'll let you be a bystander sitting, you know, like Orson Welles kind of a thing. Could just be oh yeah, like <laughs> like like Hitchcock. They could I could sit. Oh in yeah, one that's of the, yes. <laughs> one of those seats. So fun. So Joyce, what are you working on next? Aside, you're writing the screenplay. Is there another? Is there another book in your future? Yeah, I do have a sequel um, that I've started. I'm not pushing it uh, very fast because I'm working on the screenplay for the first book. Um, but it, the the sequel is tentatively called Sand Castle, because you have mm-hmm. Sandstorm as just the storminess of her early life, and in Sandstorm she attempts to really build a life in New York. Um, and as we know, sand castles are kind of vulnerable to being kicked in, so there's an implication there that it won't be so easy. Ooh, I like it. Is um, but what are the few? I can't help thinking like, what else can you say that has the word sand in it? I don't know. Like if you wanted to write book three, four, and five. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's the sands of time. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe if she, lives, if she manages to live that long, you know, it could be really uh, going further uh, into her life. But I think mm-hmm. a sequel. I, I'm not thinking of a whole series, but definitely a sequel. And okay. I already have some an opera house uh, picked out where she has a gig. 
uh, doing the makeup on a regular basis. And so there would be more music in it. I think you'll like that. What, which opera house? Well, it's a fictitious one. It's down oh. near McDougal Street. Oh, yeah. okay, it, okay. So not the Mets. Okay, anyway. <laughs> what no, <it's> no. Not. <laughs> She's not ready for the Mets. But uh, it is. there are a lot of, I, it was interesting, there are a lot of small opera houses in, in New York City. And mm -hmm. just the way you have off-off Broadway theaters, you have like off-Met, you know, opera houses. <laughs> so uh, that's been very interesting to do research. And I can't wait to go and meet some of these people in person. Mm, sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Joyce. It's been a pleasure talking to you for the second time. And I hope I get to talk to you for a third time for your next book. Oh, I sure do, too. Yes, it's really been great. I really love talking with you, Galit, and um, can't wait to come back. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking with author Joyce Yarrow about her novel, Sandstorm. Hope you're all able to lose yourself in a good book today and tomorrow, too. Happy reading.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.